Lord's word declares, now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he shall receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet asked through fire, 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 15. This means that God's word will test our faith, and, and, and all things not being of God will be turned to ash. Therefore, after these excesses of revelry and Mardi Gras have ended, we now turn away from the foolish things and recommit our lives to Christ Jesus. Historically, the imposition of ashes is a ritual of acknowledgement that our self-centered words and our foolish deeds 
will not endure the fire of God's law. If you wish to receive ashes now as a reminder of our need to abandon selfish ways and to recommit ourselves to Christ, come forward now. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust. The dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Wish to receive ashes. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Wish ashes. Thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. 
I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this sure confession, I by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in this stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have mercy on all, O Lord, and abhor nothing you have made. You look past the sins of men that they may repent. You spare them all because you are our Lord and God. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. He will send from heaven and save me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You, you have mercy on all, O Lord. You abhor nothing you have made. The royal banners forward go. The cross shows forth redemption's flow. Where he by whom our flesh was made our ransom in his flesh was paid. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, 
You despise nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create in us new and contrite hearts that lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, we may receive from you full pardon and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Old Testament lesson The Old Testament lesson for Ash Wednesday is written in the second chapter of the prophet Joel, beginning at the 12th verse. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him? a grain offering or a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the minister of the Lord, weep and say, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples upon me. Epistle lesson is written in the first chapter of St. Peter's second epistle, beginning at the second verse. May grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain of life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so as through, through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, 
having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Do not remember against us our former iniquities. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. gospel is written in the sixth chapter of St. Matthew, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who art in heaven. Thus, when you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who art in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look dismal like hypocrites. They disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by men, but by your Father who art in heaven. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God, 
the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again according this kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Spirit. 
and my trust. Patience and the wait are retail the night and wait till morning waking. My heart shall never doubt his might, nor count itself forsaken. To the Shepherd, good and true is he, who will at last his Israel free from all their sin and sorrow. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. So biblical fasting is ancient and important. David kept a fast for Saul and Jonathan and also for Abner later. And then the people were surprised that he did not fast for his dead child, the one that he conceived in adultery with Bathsheba. After burying the remains of Saul and his sons, the inhabitants of Yabesh fasted for seven days, which is the strict period of mourning from Genesis 50 verse 10. The fact that Judith, from the, New, the Old Testament pseudepigrapha, that she continued to fast um, for all of her life except on feast days when she became a widow is noted as something exceptional. But fasting has always been part and parcel of being an ancient Hebrew. It's part of, of Judeo-Christian piety. It's very important. Yes, Fasting is important. It's a, an important outward preparation, as Luther says in his small catechism. The Hebrews also saw fasting as also a preparation, not just when somebody dies, to, to mourn them correctly, but it also fasting was also seen as very important uh, for the preparation of a holy war. See, the, the Hebrews practiced holy war, just like the Christians practiced crusades and the Muslims practiced jihad or holy war as well. But the difference between a Muslim jihad and a Christian crusade in a, in a Hebrew holy war is that the jihad of the Muslim is to advance their faith. The crusade of the Christian is to defend their cities or their lands from a foreign invader of another religion. The Hebrew holy war is where God himself goes to war to save the very lives of his people. And the people fast to bring themselves into congruence with their God who is their redeemer, their savior. So what they do when they fast as a Hebrew, you are literally distancing yourselves from the world and the things of the world by abstaining from its food or its drink for a period of time or certain other activities for a certain time. You're trying to bring yourself closer to God by leaving the world behind. 
And Christian Lent grows out of this tradition, this tradition of distancing yourself from the world. It's most strongly seen in actually what the Hebrews do in the fall, which is the Yom Kippurim, or the Day of Atonement. In the Hebrew, in the Hebrew um, Talmudic law, it's just the day of propitiation, or simply the day. The day. And on this day, no work is to be done. Instead, penance and fasting are enjoined. And there, 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 and there was also to be a meeting at the temple at which special sacrifices were to be offered to make propitiation, that is, to gain forgiveness for the sanctuary, the priesthood, and the people. It's really a combination, actually, of two rituals. One ritual is that the high priest sacrifices a, a bull. And this is for the cleansing of the sanctuary and, and the clergy. Because we, the clergy, being closer to the holy things every day, have less an excuse for why we sin. And our sins are considered much more egregious than the laities, even though, even though in many cases they're identical. And so that's why a bull is sacrificed. And then what happens is the high priest takes some of that blood from that bull, and he goes into the Holy of Holies with that blood from the bull for the sanctuary and the clergy. And he first he incenses the, the tabernacle, the mercy seat, and then he takes some of the blood of the bull and he sprinkles it on the mercy seat. And then he goes out of the Holy of Holies again on the Day of Atonement, and he sacrifices a goat for the people. And then he takes the blood of that goat that was sacrificed for the sins of the people. And he takes that blood and sprinkles it on the mercy seat inside the Holy of Holies. So actually on the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the high priest goes in twice into the Holy of Holies. Not once, as you've been er erroneously told. And that's what he does. And the Lenten Christian traditions grow from these Yom Kippur or, or Yom Kippurim rituals. And Hebrew fasting piety is well seen in other contexts, especially death and war. And so giving up something for Lent, quote unquote, is more about bringing ourselves into line with God and his priorities. And, and as he comes to defend our lives from sin, the, sin death, and the devil, than merely giving up some, some really meaningless, insignificant material pleasure. Because it's easy, see, to not eat chocolate for 40 days, or to, to not drink soda pop for 40 days, or to, or to for, forego pizza, or some other insignificant pleasure that God really sees as completely irrelevant. It's a lot harder to, to, to shift your fasting away from externals, which is really what Jesus is trying to do in today's gospel lesson, and, and call us to come and follow him and die. See, Jesus is trying to get us to internalize our fasting in today's gospel lesson in Matthew 6, when he says, when you fast, do not be like uh, the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they might be seen by men that they're fasting. Assuredly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to be fasting, but to your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Your Father will reward you who sees in secret. Now to break down what Jesus is saying throughout today's gospel lesson is that Jesus is not talking about the imposition of a little bit of ashes at Ash Wednesday. He's not talking about that. When you look at the Greek, though, you know, the word skukthropos, which is the Greek word for disfiguring, and then sad and gloomy, right? Afaritso. That doesn't mean like getting a little bit of ashes on Ash Wednesday from the pastor before the service begins. That means that you were so changing your appearance by just like dumping ashes on your body and matting your hair with it 
that, that you literally appear to be a different person. In other words, what, what Jesus is talking about is where people are completely creating a facade, uh, you know, like a horror image of themselves that they parade about in public. So people go, oh, oh, look at them. Oh, look how serious they are about the faith. Oh, they're really repentant. But the reality is it's all an act. That behind the mask, behind the facade, behind this, this dirt, ash-covered, unkept hair appearance that these people are putting forth, the reality is that their hearts have not changed. There is no repentance. And they are doing it simply to get attention. It's just an act. See, the great, the great African church father, Augustine of Hippo, he once wrote that the intention of man's heart, its direction and aim, is what is to be regarded here in today's gospel lesson in Matthew 6. For if a man wishes, to be, wishes his good works to be seen of men and sets before men his own glory and advantage and seeks for this in the sight of men, he does not fulfill the precepts of the Lord as touching this matter because he has at once looked to doing his righteousness before men to be seen by them. And his light has not shined before men that they should see his good works and glorify his Father who art in heaven. And that's why the Apostle Matthew makes very clear in today's gospel lesson that ethical imperatives are grounded in the divine command. And they are to be carried out for the divine glory exclusively. Neither society's recommendations nor its commendations should be a motivation for doing good works. In other words, don't do your good works before men to be praised by them. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting to me how a pagan philosopher like the great Epictetus can see something that we Christians cannot. He once wrote in his, in, his, in, his in his discussions, he said once, I long endeavored to conceal my embracing of the philosophic life, and it was, to, 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 uh, it was of use to me, for I know that whatever I did right, I did not for the spectator, but for myself. I ate in a seemingly manner for my own approbation, I preserved composure of look and manner all for God and myself. And I find that so interesting that a pagan Greek philosopher like Epictetus understands a behavior that really should be one that should be synonymous with Christianity. And yet it is not. So... This Ash Wednesday, as Lent begins again, what are we giving up? And why are we doing it? Why are we giving it up? Are we giving up merely superficial things that God could care less about? I mean, do you really think he cares if you have a glass of wine at dinner tonight? Really? Or Coca-Cola with your pizza? I don't think he cares. 
I think God would really rather you, you, you give up the sins that are in your thoughts and attitudes that only He can see. I think God would really like you to give up the hidden, the hidden sins of where we ignore God's Word and His sacraments, that we despise them even though we sit in the pew. Perhaps God would like us to try to actually attempt for the next 40 days, attempt to keep His Word and to cherish and receive His sacraments in the spirit in which they should be received. Maybe. Maybe that would be something He would like. Maybe perhaps try for the next 40 days we should give up hating our neighbor and genuinely love them and forgive them and pray for them and do good things for them. Maybe that would be the fast He would prefer us to do these next 40 days and still go down to wits and get some custard and that's okay. See, what the imposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday really signifies is that we're going to give up the wood, hay, and stubble of our own good works, which is all the stupid stuff that God does not care about. Instead, invest our lives in the, in the silver and the gold and the gems, which are the good works that are truly God-pleasing. And the greatest the greatest gem, the greatest gold and silver good work that we could do is to give up the hardening of our hearts and pray sincerely to God that he forgive us our debts as we have already forgiven our debtors. In the name of Jesus, amen.
to his justice and ultimately turn over the Lord. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. We, um, it's really nice to have all you here today for Ash Wednesday first service. Um, it's a great blessing. I know there's going to be a luncheon after for those who wish to remain that uh, Bonnie and her committee and uh, Rick have been working on, so I hope you all can stay for that. Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of all Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for our nation, all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially pray these days. For, for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout and holy hope, and the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. Pray especially this Lent as Lent begins for the likeness of Christ. Almighty God, who has given thine only begotten Son to be unto us both a sacrifice for sin and also an example of a godly life, give us grace that we may always most thankfully receive this his inestimable benefit and also daily endeavor ourselves to follow the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, we pray. Amen.